Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha Acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in-store, now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. On today's show, we look back at yet another Hornets game. That's right. They played again last night in Indiana. We'll tell you all about it. And we're looking forward. Should the Hornets feel the funk for Monk? Oh, I like that one. And you'll like talking more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Frame Warehouse. They have the guaranteed best price on every framing project in Charlotte for over 35 years, six locations. Visit FrameWarehouse.net to find the one nearest you. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. David, we missed you on Tuesday night. Oh, my gosh. I missed you guys. It was a great show, though. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. A lot of thoughts on that show. But it, was, it was fun. Did you guys have fun? Looked we like did. Fun. Well, listen, I, well, I'll let Justin uh, speak for us, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then I I'm said, th- I said this, David. I don't give a dadgum dern. So, yeah, we had a good time. I heard all of it. It was good, man. (laughs) It was real good. We are uh, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Okay, we have a great show. We're going to recap. Not not, We don't have great news to talk about, but we do have a great show. Uh, We're going to keep you informed. We're going to talk about this uh, Indiana game last night coming up in a few minutes. But first, we have to talk about Nick Batum. We got an update yesterday from that great broadcast crew with Fox Sports, Stephanie Reddy, uh, giving us the update. But uh, Nick Batum missed Monday night's game. He missed Wednesday night's game with a, a migraine issue, a severe migraine issue. Had to have a CT scan on his head, on his dome, to figure out what Shoot. was going on. But according to Stephanie Reddy from the broadcast crew, that procedure was precautionary, and all the tests came back negative. So that's good news for Batum, but just one of many unfortunate injuries the Hornets have had to play through this season. Man, scary stuff, too, when you're dealing with CT scans and heads and migraines does that mean he's had a migraine the whole time or they just like keep coming and going i guess i mean he's had yeah he's definitely had this issue before this is not um the first time that he has dealt with something like this um but you could definitely see the impact of his absence last night and just you know key players from this team including uh cody zeller and others, uh, you know, Kimba Walker, MKG, the only ones that have been able to stay healthy for this team. So just a really unfortunate turn of events, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, but hopefully he gets healthy. You never want to mess with anything uh, around the head area when it comes to basketball because uh, they, they can be pretty devastating results. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing about the team, Doug. You guys mentioned on the, um, on the show Tuesday night, like, 
the total amount of games missed for the Hornets, I don't. It's not like lead, league leading or anything like that. But you know, and, and every team is constructed to fit together. But you know, this one more than any Hornets team I think we've seen in a while was put together with so little room for error, right? And when you have key pieces out, especially Batum, Zeller, but like Batum, who's another creator, and we've seen what he's done. Um, making this team better it's it's hard for them to compete on a nightly basis when they're missing even one piece yeah it's it's definitely what you just said the room for error but i would also and i made this point on tuesday night i would also challenge those those numbers of total games missed with the fact that a lot of these injuries have had effects on players games you know, even when they've returned. And the Hornets have had to bring mm. guys back, I think, a little earlier than they were comfortable with. I look at the Cody Zeller re-injury, yeah. and, um, you know, you can see it in Frank Kaminsky's game. He's back now, but he's, you know, a lot of compression going on. Uh, he looks, he kind of has this, <laughs> like, of return of the Jedi <laughs> look where he's got the black compression now. Um, but, yeah. he, you know, you could see it in his shooting. It's not all the way back yet. So, you know, yes... There's little room for error, uh, and you know they th- th- these injuries have have not um, been something where you miss one game and then come back at full strength. All right, yeah. let's uh, let's move on to Indiana, where the Hornets were in town to face off against the Indiana Pacers, and this looked like one that the Hornets could get in there and steal because this was the second night of a back to back for the Pacers, and they had to travel from New York where they are dealing with uh, you know a lot of bad weather, and they were coming off a loss to the New York Knicks, and, and one in which they played pathetically, including uh, Paul George, who had a rough night in Madison Square Garden. Uh, but uh, they, cured, they cured whatever was ailing them because they get the win over the Hornets 98-77, to 77, uh, 33 points in the third quarter for Indiana, and the numbers that mattered for the Pacers uh, were 39. That's the number of points that Paul George had, 15 of 21 shooting, 6 of 10 from beyond the arc. The Hornets had a little answer for him. And then I think another number that mattered both for the Hornets and for the Pacers, 7. That's the number of points that Kimball Walker had. A tough night for him, 3 of 11, uh, 0 of 3 from beyond the arc. Tough night offensively for a lot of guys in this one, David. Yeah, would have no starters hit a three-pointer, Doug. Only two three-pointers, I think, in the first three quarters. So the shooting was just not there last night. Like They could not get the offense going. 16 points in the third quarter, only 19 in the fourth. So not the night you want to – I mean, look, you held – I guess you held the paces under 100 points, um, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. But the shooting was just, you know, deplorable. I mean, that, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Three for 23 – from uh, three-point land, Doug. That's unfortunately that's one of the main themes this season. I mean, they said it from the beginning. You guys mentioned the other night this team was built to make and take. They've certainly taken them uh, three-pointers. They just haven't been able to make any. I mean, MKG, your leading scorer, <laughs> your leading starter, score at ten points. Yeah, the only starter to break ten points was Michael Kidd Gilchrist, five of eight from the field. But then he, you know, it's funny he scores ten and leads all starters, but then fails to really contribute in the other significant ways that we've seen him contributing in terms of rebounding, only one rebound, uh, no steals, one block, 
Um, but rebounding was an issue for this team all night. 30 rebounds on the game, 42 for the Indiana Pacers, and the broadcast team making a great point that the Pacers overall for the season – not a fantastic rebounding team. A lot of their bigs like to stretch the floor. They didn't have Al Jefferson, who is a, a good rebounder. They did not have him in the game. So, you know, the Pacers are looking to uh, be very athletic, very fast, and they they love to steal the basketball. I make that point in every preview, and they certainly were able to do that against the Hornets. Eight steals, and a lot of those steals, David, coming on uh, drives by the Hornets Mm -hmm. and really stifling the only thing that the Hornets could do in this game, which was drive the basketball and finish at the rim. And you could see it when the Hornets offense was doing okay, it was able to get into the paint and they, but they couldn't move the ball out of the paint. And when they did, they uh, missed open three point shots. And when they were finishing, it was good. When they weren't, it was because the Pacers were turning the ball over and getting back on the other end of the floor. And you had, you know, Ellis and George and Teague all finishing in transition. Just a tough, tough night offensively for the Hornets. And, you know, Steve Clifford talked about it after the game. Look, Paul George, I mean, Paul George scored 36 in their last meeting and the Hornets won. So I really don't care about Paul George's 39 points. I mean, you know, that, that's that's tough. You never want to let a guy do that. But I don't think that's the reason they lost this basketball game. No, I mean, yeah, of course. Didn't help. I mean, it also didn't help. He was getting to his spot a little too easy, I think. In the I mean, second especially once, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. Especially once he got rolling, right? I mean, he was just walking up into some of those threes. But by that point, the lead was already near or at like 20 points. Um, but yeah, you know, I just couldn't, just couldn't convert. I mean, I thought, okay, well, a good first half really, um, to, to draw it even, and then just could not keep it going in the second half. Uh, you know, I, we may see some more of these, Doug, I mean, this hasn't been the case for the team all, you know, for most of the year They're, they haven't really been blown out. They haven't had these where they just had no energy. And that's what Clifford thought was the most surprising. Like they've played with pretty good energies, even of late. Uh, and they just did not last night. The Hornets lacking energy on offense, but I know some people who never lack energy, and that's the uh, people over at Frame Warehouse, those framing experts. If you have a poster or a jersey or just something that you've been waiting to get framed and get on the wall, don't wait any longer. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They are an institution in the Queen City, and they have the guaranteed best price on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. We're talking about sports memorabilia. Get some posters framed for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, a jersey. They cut a mirror in half for David. Uh, They'll even cube up that signed football helmet you have laying around the house. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of those six locations. Drop by and give them a Go Hornets Go America, let's swarm Charlotte. All right, back to the Hornets. Uh, I thought defensively they they did some some decent things on the auxiliary players, which was a problem uh, for the Hornets against Chicago. They let some of those auxiliary players really get off. But, you know, in the first quarter, the, the Pacers were one of seven from beyond the arc. So they did a good job of playing perimeter defense. And I just do, I do want to say this. Like in the first half, uh, Paul George was unstoppable. I, I don't think this was on MKG. Um, I thought in the first half he did a nice – I mean, they look, the Pacers run 
so much of their offense for Paul George, and they did a great job of you know setting those pin down screens and running Paul George off of them. And all MKG can do, and some of them, I'll say they did a good job, but some of them were a little questionable. Um, mm. But you know, uh, MKG did the best he could, but you could see like Cody Zeller was sagging back. Now, whether that was by design or by mistake, I don't know. But, you know, if it was by design, you you could, you know, they don't want to let Paul George get into the lane and cause chaos and, and do a lot of what, what Chicago was able to do the previous night. So I could definitely see them sagging back and trying to keep Paul George away from the rim. And they just made him take shots and he made every single one of those shots. Um, but I just don't want people yeah. to walk away from that and look at 39 points, know that Paul George was the assignment for MKG, and assume that um, Kid Gilchrist did a bad job on defense. I think he did everything he could in that first half, and you just saw a superstar do superstar things. Yeah, I mean, a couple of times he had fouling on the jumpers, and you never want to do that. Um, but yeah, he's just a, you said it. I mean, a superstar. They've come up against these guys. It's just like Kemba is the star of this team, right? But it, 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 the difficult night he had, it's hard for him, you know, at his size, right, to just get whatever he wants. Like he can't – Paul George can literally get any shot he wants over 99% of the guys in the league, right? Like he can shoot over most guys. He can get shots that Kemba, you know, in comparison, you know, can't get his physical stature in to make, right? I mean, so – I just brought that up to say <laughs> he's really good. Well, no, it's a great and, point. And I, I think you saw the Pacers uh, scheming, switching a ton on Kemba Walker, and they were able to expose it in the first half when they made those switches with uh, Miles. They, they were doing a lot of one-four switching, so you'd have Miles Turner switch on to Kemba, and Kemba was able to make them pay by getting the ball to Marvin Williams, who was backing down Jeff Teague and knocking down buckets. But, you know, if you do – it's – it was good that they did it in the first half, but they just couldn't find a way to do it in the second half, and, and it just became – it just wore on the entire team. And when you don't have the energy to begin with, uh, and then, you know, you had Jeremy Lamb, again, subbing in for Nick Batum, but wasn't able to be as effective as he was against Chicago. 28 minutes for Lamb, 3 of 9 from the field, 8 points. I do want to mention 20 points for Frank Kaminsky. Was struggling with his shot, as I said. One of eight from beyond the arc, but was able uh, to get to the rim with some nice moves. Uh, Five of seven from the line, so he was getting fouled. He finishes the game with 20 points, four rebounds, and uh, he throws in a steal and an assist. So good good game as Frank Kaminsky works back and tries to... That's one thing I'll be looking for as this season progresses is can Kaminsky come back and be a big contributor off the bench. We've seen him be a big contributor as a starter, and, right. and maybe that's his future in Charlotte, but for now, they they need him to be a big contributor off the bench. Can he continue to do that, at least for one night, uh, 20 points? But, man, during that stretch where the game really got away from the Hornets, there were a lot of missed three-pointers by Kaminsky. If one or two mm-hmm. of those go down, you, you may have been able to sustain a little bit um, but Maybe. that was I mean. <laughs> that was kind of the turning point. Yeah, I mean there were there were a lot of things going wrong in this one. Yeah, they, they just could not get a handle on anything, especially in the third quarter. And by the fourth, the time the fourth quarter rolled around, you know, it was uh, pretty much all she wrote. You guys were talking about the energy after that Chicago loss, uh, and you just wonder, you know, how much they really, how they, much they really have left in terms yeah. of you know getting especially up for these when, games. 
Yeah, especially when guys keep dropping um, key guys. I mean, anyone's key at this point. I, I don't think by any means they're going to give up. I, I think I don't think Kim is going to you know score seven points the rest of the way out. It's just like it's tough. I mean, it's no, really they, tough. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll give up either, David. I, I just think that you know there's a certain there's a certain attitude that you have when you are making a push for the playoffs, and then I think it's just yeah. natural for it's, you're not there in to it, be right? a little bit like of a letdown. You, yeah. Um, you don't feel, you know, yeah, there's not that excitement, even though, I mean, it's insane that they're, they're, they're four games back from eight. Don't that, tell. That I don't want to like hear those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> not with the way they're playing around. Uh, a couple questions uh, that, though. Cody Zeller, another great dunk through traffic. Um, is he, is he the, I was thinking about this. Is he the best athlete on this team? Just run. So athlete, how do we define athlete? Right. Runner? Jumper, Runner, jumper. Uh, maybe like the one category he doesn't fit into is sort of a guy that can change and move his body midair. But mm-hmm. I mean, as a runner and jumper, might well, be I mean, one of the best on this team, and that says a little something about this roster construction, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, I think Lamb is a pretty fluid athlete. He's not, a, but he doesn't like kind of jump off the page. Um, I mean, Kimba is a good athlete, right? But he's he's six feet. Um, uh, you know, Cody is a seven foot guy that runs the floor and can jump. I mean, that's that's a pretty damn good athlete, I think. So yeah, I think you might be right. But we said they they need to add. They've got to add more somebody. of those guys, right? Yeah, yeah they've got to add some more of those guys. Uh, and you guys spoke about it again in the draft preview. I keep going back to that draft preview, a because it was fantastic, but b just because you know it's, I'm getting I'm getting psyched up for it. I'm getting sure. excited. It's that time of year. Well, let's uh, let's talk. You want to talk about it? You want to talk some draft? Mm. Before we do, I have to roll the disclaimer. Disclaimer: Whoever we think the Hornets will take, they will inevitably not take. I'm going to roll that several. You're going to be hearing that several times. I just want to make people aware. If you're getting excited about someone. <laughs> Just know that. Just know that. I want people to be prepared on draft night. This will be our, what, fourth draft special coming up oh. in, in in June, in May and June. So, you know, I just – I don't want people to be surprised because I'm starting to to learn. This You're has been a learning yeah, process that, for mm, us as well. That's, that's the other thing. Uh, we obviously don't watch a ton of college ball throughout the year. So, you know, these are – uh, these are uh, these takes are really I, mean, I don't know about you Doug but for me it's it's more just like the stuff we've heard and the stuff we're starting to see in March yep. but y- when we have good guests like you did the other night you give you good information um so Sam Vecini like, from yeah, uh, the game theory podcast great podcast does a lot of college basketball tournament and NBA draft talk he is an NBA draft expert and a smart basketball guy and David I know you were you were all ears on uh, the conversation we had about Malik Monk from yes. Kentucky. Let's roll that clip, and then we'll talk about it. Well, he's just an incredible shooter, first and foremost. I, you know, He is, at one point earlier this year, over the last decade, he had the highest point-per-shot uh, metric of any player like in college basketball over the last decade when they were guarded. And he's just a tough shot maker. I mean, th- those guys are so valuable. The difference with Monk, though, is is that, like, is he a guy that actually makes his teammates better? Uh, is he a guy that's going to help you defensively? He's not really much of a passer from what we've seen so far. But the uh, scoring ability just might be so volcanic, so uh, explosive, that he's a worthwhile player. Like, he could 
you know, there were people comparing him early in the season to like Stephen Curry because of the way he was shooting the basketball. And that was overstated, I think. Like, but if he's a Clay Thompson type shooter or something like that, like you just can't ignore players that have put on such incredible displays like he has. He drops 49 or something against North Carolina. He's dropped 40 points like two or three times, dropped high 30s a couple times. This guy is just a ridiculous scorer in terms of creating his own shot, either on step backs or uh, just off of the catch off of screens. David, what do you think? Are you, are you ready to reek for Malik? Yeah. So the interesting thing about that North Carolina game, I did watch that game and I'd say probably 48 of those 49 points were uh, Roy Williams fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a that gum darn. It was just because he was playing Roy Williams. I mean, you know, J- Justin will back me up on that. He told me it was it was mostly his fault. <laughs> so, I'm kidding. Um, but the interesting thing about you mentioned about Malik Monk and okay, so Stephen Curry comparison is insane, um, and the Clay Thompson one is is obviously out there too because and not 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 saying that he was, but the the, the bad thing I've heard about Malik and that Sam mentioned was right if his shot isn't falling then he kind of disappears and he's not giving you much else so that would be the concerning point i think for fans looking to add malik monk but when you're talking about shooting that is volcanic doug that is something they need a guy like that who can just come in and go crazy for a couple of minutes right and then maybe could right and then maybe could get you 30 like in a first round playoff game or something like that like they don't have that guy that's kind of who they were looking to add in a Lou Williams, someone he also compared him to on the downside in that preview, saying that you know when you're six three and a smaller guy and you're not hitting shots, the, the difference between Steph Curry and Lou Williams can be, um, you know, it, it, it's a thin difference, right? So yeah, but I someone someone on our Twitter, I'm trying to pull it up now. Someone on our Twitter made the point like um, that if the if the bad comparison is Lou, the Hornets will take that. Yeah, you know the Hornets I mean, could exactly. stand to have uh, you know a knockdown shooter like Lou Williams. Although I, I have a feeling that what that Sam Vicini was referencing uh, sort of early Lou, like Lou yeah. ha- Lou is an amazing player because he's become this efficient scorer so late in his career, and he's sort of making people forget about so many of those years in Philadelphia and Atlanta where you you couldn't really count on him enough offensively to make up for the fact that he was turning the ball over, not sharing the basketball right. and was an inefficient shooter. Yeah. And like, so when the reek for Malik movements coming out, I mean, I kind of reserve those for guys that are going to change the franchise. I mean, do you see Monk as a franchise changer? No. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, no, he's, a, like, he's it, a piece, it, it, you know? Yeah. And but, you just, but mean, you never you never know. I think that's the point. You never know which of yeah. these guys. You never know if Lonzo Ball or Markel Fultz are going to be franchise. There have been very few guarantees. Like LeBron James <laughs> yeah. was a guarantee. I mean, MJ wasn't taken number one overall. People weren't. What the, wait, the wait, goat? Wait, 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 wait. Back was passed up, up on sure? twice. I'm gonna fact check that. I'm gonna fact check that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and not as Doug. Hey, if he's there and they grab him. Or God forbid they pass. <laughs> Can you imagine at this point if he's there and they pass on him to grab like uh, the, the the kid from Arizona? That you guys are joking about? Oh, marketing. Yeah, marketing. Um, and and these are no shots at anyone because, like I said, the research has not been done yet. But to add another stretch for tall uh, white guy would be something for this fan base. 
<laughs> to uh, we just to need something. But I, th- that's 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 my concern, though, with Monk. I mean, look, I think I would take my concerns with the possible upside, but I, I, that, that would be my cautionary uh, warning, I, I guess, is what I'm saying right now. Now, look, he'll probably explode in the NCAA tournament um, and look fantastic. But that's the thing with all these guys. It's like. You know, you just don't know. Like you said, freshmen coming in, you know. Who can predict what they'll, what they'll be doing? Freshman, verb pipe. We were only freshmen. Um, oh, eight points for Briante Weber. I want to track back to this game yes. real quick before we get out of here because I know people want to know about how Briante Weber did. He got some more run in this game. Uh, was the de facto backup point guard in this one. Gets almost 20 minutes. He was four of seven from the field. Efficient night. Eight points. Five rebounds, two assists, one turnover, two steals, and he was playing. It was cool. He played alongside his former uh, VCU teammate for a while there in Travion Graham. Um, yeah, what did you cool. think of Briante? <laughs> that was cool. Uh, the Hornets had to, had to put those two guys out there. <laughs> that, together. Was, that was cool. <laughs> that was cool. It's right around March um, Madness. It makes so much sense. Man, I love. Are we going Bree? Uh, the the the, radio, uh, the TV crew. Stephanie said he, they told he was told he told them to call him Bree. Call me Bree. Bree. Bree Weber. Uh, I love him, Doug. I mean, All right, I'll go Bree. Exactly, that's what that's what we've wanted to see. I mean, he came in and affected the game. He gave them a a boost of energy on defense. Hello, we love that here. We love defense and on offense. I mean, making some shots on offense, making some things happen. Um, I, I, you just wish you could have seen it earlier, I think. And, and I mean, it's not like he's going to, is he going to do it every night? Who knows? Um, is this going to be like a career long thing? Who knows? But I think he, he gives you that athleticism. He can pressure the ball. I mean, so much more than Brian Roberts. And unfortunately for Roberts, that's, that's who we're comparing him to. So, I, I like what I've seen. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely liked what I've seen. He was the only player that wasn't in the sort of garbage crew uh, that came in at the end of the game that had a positive yeah. uh, net rating. And part of that was that he played at the end of the game when they sort of made up a few points. Um, but yeah, you know, the thing with, with Briancy, so he was really aggressive with his offense in this really? one, and he knocked yeah. down a couple of mid-range shots. And, and then, you, But you could see a little later – that he was getting a little ahead of himself. He had a weird uh, sort of yeah. ran out the shot clock and had to do a turnaround three-point three point shot that was not um, – I mean, it was advised in the sense that he had to shoot it, but, you know, the, the, he sort of had to shoot it because it's he got perfect. there. I mean – No, I mean, it's he's not, no that's the thing. Bumps. He's learning, but he's making the most of this opportunity. Now, the question, I think, David, is you know, he's coming up on the end of his 10-day. Do the Hornets oh secure God. him for the rest of the season – so that they could why not? I but the thing is, but why? If your season well, is, you, is well, not that's going, the question. The, do you do you think you can? Add, can he be like your third point guard next year? I don't know. What's the Brian Roberts contract situation? Hold on. I mean, but it, let's say all things being equal, would you? How would you feel going into the season with him as your third point guard? Good, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, so, yeah. So if that's the case, then I think you do, right? All right. All right. Fine. <laughs> I'm to listen. I'm, I don't have to cut the paycheck, so I'll say pay him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that'll do it for us here on this edition of Locked On Hornets. We're going to be back tomorrow for a preview of Friday night's game against the Wizards. That will that one will be in Charlotte. Tip off set for seven o'clock p.m. And important to note. That's the Cam Newton bobblehead. It's the final Buzz City Nights, but it's the uh, All right. 
Cam Newton bobblehead giveaway. So make sure to make sure get, get in, get, get in early, get that bobblehead. So we'll have a preview of that game coming up tomorrow. Uh, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And until tomorrow, go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.